my message today is called Second Best. Second Best. Second Best. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's nothing wrong with being second best. Nothing wrong with being second best. In a, in, a, in a generation where if you're not first, you're last, I, I am finding it awfully strange how we base our value on things that really don't give us any value. It is amazing to me that there are many people under the sound of my voice because you don't have six figures in your bank account that you walk around feeling less than someone who does. Um, if you don't have Louis Vuitton or Givenchy, it is not Givenchy, y'all. Stop saying it like that. That is not how you say that. It's Givenchy. If you don't have labels, then all of a sudden it makes you feel as if you are not valuable. But there's some of us who have lived long enough to realize that if I don't have one label in my closet, I'm still worth so much to God. Yeah. Yeah. That if I don't have the latest Jordans and I don't have the latest clothes or car or live in a, a six-bedroom, 5,000-square-foot house, that the one-bedroom apartment that I have is still all right. Because sometimes you can have a $6,000 mattress and can't get no rest at night. But sometimes God can set you up in such a way that you have a mattress you got off of Craigslist. And you sleep good every single night. Because you know that God has been good to you. And God is the one that gives you your value. I need you to tap yourself and say, I'm valuable. Uh, and it doesn't mean, doesn't mean that if I'm not number one on my job or I don't get the promotion or I didn't get the money and I didn't get the elevation, that all of a sudden I have no worth and have no value. Because the Bible is clear that sometimes the race is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but to the one who endures to the end. Uh, you might have got there first, but God says, I'm still in the race. Say, hey, God, I thank you for that. That it doesn't matter what it looks like during the race. You could have crossed the finish line first, but as long as I cross the finish line, God still gets the glory out of my life. And I need to take a pause for the cause and find out, is there anybody in here that say, I might not have finished first, but I'm still in the race and I haven't given up yet. And I'm still going and God has been good to me. In fact, there's somebody in here that need to realize you about to run around this track one more time and it seemed like all your strength is gone but God told me to tell you here comes your second win because you're going to get ready to finish this thing that whatever God said is for you it's going to be for you and it might not be like everybody else and you might not get there like your sister or your brother and you might not get there with the education that everybody else got but God says my hand is on your life and what I'm going to do in your life eyes have not seen and ears have not heard neither has it into into the heart of man. Oh, some of y'all still ain't with me yet, but is there anybody in here that say, when I wanted to give up, I couldn't give up. When I wanted to throw in the towel, I couldn't throw in the towel, but I'm grateful to God that I'm still in the race. If you're still in the race, give God just about five seconds of praise because you're still in the race. have a long message for you so you better come on with me I'm not gonna sit up here all day I got something short gonna drop it off and I'm going home uh, the Bible the Bible is clear that, 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 that it's not always about being the first sometimes the best position is number two okay um, let me put it like this uh, when I started in ministry um, I started at a church where everybody was older than me. All the preachers were older than me. And I started preaching. And um, I, 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 had, uh, I, was, I was a pretty good preacher in the sense of charisma. Uh, charisma. But didn't have any substance. Didn't say anything of value. You know, I would say stuff like, if you make one step, God will make two. 
I, I would say the Bible says if you make one step, God will make two. Uh, search your scripture. Ain't that ain't nowhere in the Bible. Uh, I would say stuff like, well, when praises go up, blessings come down. Parenthetically, that sounds good, but there ain't no scripture that says that. Oh, I know y'all don't like that right there. I'm uh, messing y'all up because some of the stuff that y'all have been taught all your life you think is in the book. Check the book. Check the book. It ain't in the book. So I had charisma, but I didn't have much, you know, uh, 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 education. You know, I didn't, I just said all kind of stuff that just sounded real good. And, and I, I was a fireball preacher. Got the crowd hyped. I was the one that you wanted the crowd to shout, put me up. Because I'm going to shout them by the time I get done with them. And, and, and it became a competition for me. And the Lord allowed, watch this, for my gift to elevate me to a place where I became second in command at the church. I was, I was what you would call an assistant pastor. I was a youth pastor and an assistant pastor. And, and I became, uh, uh, um, I was assistant pastor and I could command them to do different things and I could I could get up and say different things I could fuss the people out because the pastor had gave me permission to fuss the people out and and I was large and in charge you know and something happens when you when you start to get power that your character can't handle Y'all ain't with me. Something happens when you get uh, get elevated and get lifted and get a title, uh huh, and then and you start to smell yourself, as the old folk used to say. You start smelling yourself. You thought you you think you all that in a bag of chips, and and all of a sudden, I realized that being in a second position had its had its privileges. But sometimes, what the enemy will do is he'll get down in your heart for you to realize, for you to think that second best is not the best that you got to be number one. You got to be in charge. And, and so you say stuff like, I don't care what the pastor say. I said, uh, come here, you devil, because you in here right now. You done said it out your mouth right up in the Freedom Church. I don't care what the preacher said. I'm the one that's in charge right now because it goes to your brain and makes you insane in the membrane. And you know, all of a sudden, you think you all, in you all in charge. And I had to discover as I was dealing with this word on today that some of us don't feel feel like we're of value because you in the second position wanting the first position touch everybody you can reach and tell them but stay in your place stay in your place stay in your place because where God has you is where the blessing is going to be there where God has situated you he's going to use you for such a time as this I know they looked over you for the promotion and I know they looked past you for the elevation on that job and I know that they didn't consider you for the elevation but God told me to tell you second place ain't a bad place to be because I'm getting ready to show you that sometimes it's second place that God uses to get the glory out of your life and is there anybody in here that say I've been looked over sometimes I've been misunderstood there have been people that wouldn't elevate me and wouldn't take me to the next level but I thank God that my that my that how I feel about myself is not tied to the position that I'm in you might be the manager I I might be the employee, but I got the favor and the anointing on my life, and I could do more in this position than you as the manager. I'm coming for you. And so I was praying about this, and I said, Lord, you know, um, I, I, I really, I wasn't supposed to be here today. I was supposed to be on vacation today, and the Lord changed my plans, and so I was saying, Lord, what, what should I preach on today? And he said, you need to tell the people second best ain't bad. And I said, well, Lord, this is a, uh, you know, dog eat dog. Uh, um, all I can do is win, win, win uh, generation that, that wants to be first in everything. They even take one scripture. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. And you can say that, but you won't say tithing scriptures. But anyway, uh, uh, you, 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 we, we say little things that, that positions us to be in a place where we're supposed to always win. And so when you don't win, all of a sudden you don't feel like a winner. Uh, nobody teaches us and trains us that sometimes you ain't going to win all the time. You know, this is a generation that don't ma no matter who what position they place uh, the, uh, everybody on a team get a, get a trophy. I didn't come from that generation. You know, if you didn't win, you just didn't win. Only the people that won got the first place trophy. But now we pass out trophies to everybody because we don't want nobody to feel bad. But some of y'all know sometimes when you come in second and third, all it does is make you work harder to become better than you were ever going to be in the first place. Is there anybody here that say, I didn't become who I am 
because of the greatness I became who I am because of the adversity if I didn't have hell coming after me then I wouldn't be who I am today and is there anybody in here that know when you look at your life and all the hell you had to go through that hell made you better that hell you went through made you stronger when you were refining the fire you came out as pure gold and is there anybody in here say get a good look at me now if you knew the hell I had to go through to look this good if you knew the hell I had to go through to still have my mind oh, I thank God cause it wasn't the good times it wasn't the flowery bed of ease it was the hell that I had to go through to get to where I am I said Lord how you want me to tell these people to be second best how you gonna how you gonna tell how you gonna tell these flossome people to be second best. The Lord said, you got to show them how to be second best because if they don't know how to be second best, a spirit of jealousy and envy will rise up when they look at who they think is in first. Mm, some of you can't enjoy your singlehood because you're too busy looking online at somebody else not realizing you have no clue what goes on in their house. You have no clue what anybody deals with. And here you are feeling bad because you are comparing yourself against what you think is first best. And God is saying, I got you in second best and don't even realize it. I got you single and, and paying all your bills by yourself. And you don't even know how to give God glory over that. I got you right where I need you to be. I got you. I got you. You went through a divorce and look at you. Still got your got, got your swagger back. And it didn't it didn't consume you and didn't eat you up. And here you are worried about what somebody else got. Honey, let him go on a lulabelle. Cause 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 he wasn't yours anyway. Okay, y'all gonna I'm, I'm preaching here after a while. I told you I ain't got a long message. I'm getting to my point. Some of you need to realize that where God got you is the base best place for you to be in. Because they do because it might not look like it's all coming together. But God said, if you just wait just a little bit, if you be still and know that I am God, I could use you in the position that you're in right now. Is there anybody in here that can say, I might not have the best car. I might not live in the best neighborhood. I might not wear the best clothes, but I'm still living my best life because I got a God that blesses me exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think. I need to take a pause for the call and find out is there anybody in here that can give God glory and give God praise for where you are right now. Okay, let me get into my text. I searched the Bible and I said, God, who you want me to talk about in the Bible? Who's second best? I said, second best? He said, mm-hmm. There's somebody who was second best. Watch this. In my own family. His name was John. Y'all know him as John the Baptist. Uh, John. Cousin John. I'm Jesus. He's John. I'm number one. And he's number two. Uh, let me put this together. Apart from Jesus, John the Baptist is probably the most theological significant figure in the gospel. Because John had a very amazing beginning, middle, and in. John came from a miraculous birth. Both his parents were very, very old. And, and the Bible shows up and give and, and the, the, an angel shows up to, to his father and gives a proclamation and divine intervention and says, you're going to have a child. You're going to name him John. Watch this. Not only does John's birth parallel that of Jesus, but it echoes the momentous occasion of the birth of Isaac Abra to Abraham and Sarah. John is clearly a pivotal figure in the salvation history of God. Although most of his formative years are lived in obscurity. In fact, they're so obscure, the Bible says he grew up in the desert. And all of a sudden, his public ministry uh, comes out of nowhere. Do you know John is the one that ended 400 years of prophetic silence? See, when your Bible ends in Malachi, and picks up in Matthew, what you don't realize is in between that is 400 years of silence. 
where God does not say not one word to nobody. And when John opens his mouth to proclaim that Jesus is coming, watch this. He ends 400 years of silence. Watch this. And the Bible says that John, his crazy self, you know, John was a little crazy. Let me, let me just put it. John, the Bible says he, uh, he ate locusts and honey. That's all he ate. Locusts. Y'all know what that is? Grasshoppers and honey. Yes, you needed the honey to eat the grasshoppers. John was a wild man. Out in the wilderness, preaching. The people had to come to him out in the wilderness to preach this word. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John, what you preaching next Sunday? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What you preaching the Sunday after that? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Oh, God, I would lose y'all on week two if I preached the same message every single weekend and week out. But that's all his message was. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Watch this. And, and John, he got some popularity. People started following John. And I've discovered something. It, it is, it's a semi-point, but it ain't my point. I've discovered, watch this, that, 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 and this is hard for this generation, your purpose has to be bigger than your popularity. Mm -hmm. Your purpose has to be bigger than your popularity. See, this is the day and time where everybody's trying to get popular. Everybody want to be Kim Kardashian famous. Everybody want to be famous now, you know. Now the new, the, new, the new job is not a doctor and a lawyer. What do you want to be? An influencer on social media. That's what, that's what we strive for now to be and to become. We, we want to be popular. We want to be famous. But if your popularity means more to you than your purpose, then the person who has more popularity becomes your competition. Is there anybody in here that say, I want everybody to win? Come on. I, I just need to know, is, there, is this a church that ain't got no haters in here that say, I want everybody to win? Look down your row, point your finger at them, say, I want you to win, and I want you to win, and I want you to win. And if I don't win, I still want you to win because I need everybody. I want everybody to win. I ain't trying to take all the glory. It ain't got to be all about me because I've discovered if, if God blesses you and you in the neighborhood, then I, God, after a while, going to bless me. Ah, because if you my neighbor, then he's blessing in the neighborhood. Is there anybody in here that can grab the hand of your neighbor, shake it real good and say, I want you to win. I want you to overcome. I want you to be better. I want you to go higher. I ain't got to hate on you. If God elevates you, just remember me. If God bring you out, I know he can bring me out. I need everybody in here that say, I want everybody to win. That's the problem. We, 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 we don't want people to win no more. We don't want, we don't want, we don't want, we don't want people to win no more. We want to always be, be in, we want to be number one. We, we, we got to, because the only way that I can feel like I'm of significance is I got to be above you. So popularity is what we go after now. Let me be popular. But I've discovered that you have to live for something greater than just the moment. You know, you could go viral, and that makes you great now. The only problem is, if you just live for the moment, then they can hold you hostage to the moment. Okay, let me, let me dig it out just for a minute. I'm almost done. Uh, 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 if, if, if I live for the moment, then you can hold me hostage to the moment, which means that you can always hold a piece of my past over my head and keep me locked into who I used to be. This is why some people don't like you to change, because they want you to be who you've always been, not realizing that every single day you get up, you're growing, and you're growing, and you're becoming, and you're, you're changing differently. You're becoming a better person, and you can't lock me into who I used to be. Is there anybody here that can look at some of the friends that you used to have around you, and now you can't find them nowhere? Because the reality is, I know you don't want to say this, but come on, let's just tell the truth. There's some people you outgrew. Come on, that you can no longer be around anymore because some stuff wasn't funny anymore. In some places, I didn't want to go anymore. And some people, I 
don't want to be around anymore. Uh, call me a holy roller. Say, I think I'm too muchy muchy. Whatever you want to say. But when God starts elevating me, I need people around me that can take their hands off and say, be whoever God wants you to be. I'm not going to hold you hostage to who you used to be. I'm not going to make you perform like you a monkey on the stage. I'm going to make sure that you become everything that God wants you to be. Don't hold me hostage. But here's the thing that I saw in the text, and I'm going to get to my text now. I saw that even though John was second, he was still great. That even though you might be second, you can still be great. Okay? So I want to talk about the greatness of John the Baptist. I want to talk about the greatness of John the Baptist. Luke 1, verse number 13 through 15, look what the Bible says to his daddy. The, the, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you, will, and you are to call him John. Everybody say John. He will be a great joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Verse 15, for he will be great. Somebody say great. Great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. John's father was in the temple ministering, and an angel appeared to him, watch this, on the right side of the altar of incense. Everybody say the right side. Now, the right side represents the favor of God. In other words, anytime you see the right side in, in, the, in, the, in the scriptures, it, it means, it symbolizes the favor of God. Let me prove it to you. The right side, the, the son of his right hand, the Bible says, Jesus is seated on the right hand of God. The sheep who are saved are on the right side of the shepherd, but the goats are on the left side. Because watch this, the first reason why he is great, the first reason why you are great, even though you might be second, here it is it's on the screen it's because you got favor on your life come on God is saying if you're on the right side it means you got favor the angel shows up to him on the right side what is he trying to show you he's trying to show you that there's favor on your life even before you were born do you know that your some of your mamas and your daddies almost aborted you don't you know that the devil tried to take you out in your childhood don't you know that the accident was there designed to take you out but God's favor was on your life and the reason you're still here today is because you got favor honey you ain't that smart you got favor you ain't got that much education you got favor you don't have that much money you got favor is there anybody in here that can look at your life and say the reason I got greatness is because God's favor is on my life God did me a favor he hooked me up he did stuff for me that my mama couldn't do he did stuff for me that my dad they couldn't do he did something for me that my pastor couldn't do he gave me favor and is there anybody in here that say pastor I know what you're talking about because the only reason why I drive what I drive and live where I live and work where I work and wear what I wear is because I got favor on my life I need the favored people to make some noise in this house if you got favor on your life High five your neighbor and say favor, favor, favor. That's why I'm still here. I got favor. That's why I got what I got. I got favor. I should have been fired seven times, but I got favor on my life. I wish I had somebody in here. I should have been forsaken a long time ago, but I got favor on my life. And I give God glory for the favor. Okay. Let me put it like this. Some of you before you were even born had favor on your life God help me before you were even born you had favor on your life God help me that's why you had that sickness as a child that's why certain things tried to take you out I wish I had some real people in this house that know you are here today because of the favor on your life the only reason your bills still paid is because of favor the only reason that you ain't got no disease is because of favor is there anybody in here that can give God glory because you got favor Somebody holler, favor. Watch this. 
not only favor makes him great, but the angel says, hey, you about to have a son, but you got to call him something. His name got to be John. Everybody say John. John. Now, did my research. This is why you got pastors. And John, watch this, is a derivative of Yahweh. Okay. In fact, John's name actually means, you ready for this? Yahweh will be gracious. Okay, that went over your head, so let me, let me, let me bring that, let me back that up one more time. John is a derivative of Yahweh. Okay. Yahweh, God. Okay. But his name technically means Yahweh will be gracious. Okay. All right. In other words, there was a grace on his life before he ever stood foot in this earth. Okay. I'm not only great because of the favor. I'm also great, here we go, because I got grace on my life. Okay, 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 okay. Let me, let, me, let me hook this up. Grace, the unmerited favor of God. Okay, let me, let me, let me help you out. This is why people don't like you, Rika. Because you got a grace on you. Watch this. You got stuff you don't even deserve. Nor did you earn it. But God's grace is on you to the place where he blesses you with stuff that you don't deserve. You ready? I didn't live holy enough to get it. But because of the grace that's on my life, I, 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 I should have been taken out a long time ago. God help me. I feel like preaching now. I, I mean, my sins should have had its way with me a long time ago. Come on, they say, anybody here that say, my stuff should have caught up with me by now. God help me. But the grace of God has been covering my life. Okay. You ever messed up at work and prayed nobody found out? You, you, you ever, come on, let me talk to some real people. You ever messed up and you were praying, God, I hope nobody sees this. Okay, let me, let me, I know this, I know this is nine o'clock service. I know, I know, I know this is nine o'clock service and y'all a little, you know, you know, you got a little bit more put together, you know, 1130, a little ghetto, but y'all a little bit more put together and, um, you know, a little bit more sedity and, and, and you know, um, but, but is there anybody in here that know you got a rap sheet? Of some stuff that you hope nobody ever find out about. Oh God, I wish I had some honest people. And the only reason that your stuff is still hid and your stuff is still covered is because of the grace of God that's been operating on your life. Even when you didn't even serve God, his grace was still on your life. West sin abound, grace much more abounded. And is there anybody in here to say, I'm great not because of my money, I'm great because of the grace that's on my life, the unmerited favor of God, stuff I don't even deserve, stuff I didn't live good enough to have, but He blessed me in spite of me. In spite of me. Right? Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So I'm great, number one, because of favor, but I'm great, number two, because of grace. Watch this. And the angel says, for he will be great. Why is he great? Because of the favor and the grace on his life. But not just because just of that. Watch this. He is great because of the grace and favor being on his life. But secondly, John is great. Because Jesus said he would be great. Come on, we got to be Bible readers this morning. Luke 7, verse number 28. Look at what Luke 7, verse number 28 says. It says, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. So Jesus said, 
Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Watch this. Uh, if you go to the King James Version, it just don't say that there's no one greater than John. What it actually says in the King James Version, it says there is no greater prophet than John. Are y'all with me? No greater prophet than John. Now, that's significant. Jesus calls John the Baptist the greatest of prophets. Now, if I was to take a poll and ask you, who did you think was the greatest prophet? Some of y'all would come up with Isaiah and Jeremiah. You would come up with Moses or Elijah. You would even come up with David. But watch this. But Jesus calls him the greatest of prophets. Now, this is significant because John the Baptist, watch this, only had about one year of ministry. One year. And Jesus says he is the greatest of prophets. You ready for this? He never wrote a book. You don't see nowhere in your Bible where it says this is the book of John the Baptist. He, he doesn't, he doesn't, here's the thing that just flipped me out. He ain't got no other prophecy but the Messiah coming. He had one prophecy, and Jesus says, He's the greatest of the prophets. Watch this. Because your impact, hear this, will not be determined by how long you do it. Your impact in this world and in this life will be on how impactful you are doing it. Uh, watch this. In other words, um, John, it ain't because you got a long ministry ahead of you. In fact, you only got one good year to get it all out. And in that one good year, I'm going to use you to turn this world upside down. God help me. See, some of you have been disqualifying yourself because you don't think, watch this, that you've got all the qualifications needed to do what God is calling you to do. Some of you have convinced yourself, well, I ain't been at this long enough, and I ain't going to apply for that job. They've been here 16 years. I've only been here one year. So God is saying I could do more in your one year than I could do in somebody else's 50 years. And if you would just trust me to believe that I can do more than you can even ask or think, why are you downgrading yourself thinking that you can't do something because you ain't got the resume that say you can do it? Jesus said, I gave you the resume. He's the greatest of prophets. Well, Jesus, he only had one prophecy, but it was the prophecy that mattered the most. It was the prophecy that announced my coming, and he is the greatest of prophets. I came to tell somebody, stop looking down on yourself because it looked like you ain't got it all together and your credit is messed up. God said, I could do more with your bad credit having self than you could ever do with perfect credit. God said, I'm getting ready. Oh God, I felt that right there. God said, I'm getting ready to blow your mind with less. I'm getting ready to blow your mind with what you don't have. I'm getting ready to blow your mind with what you think you're missing. Is there anybody in here that can lift your hands and tell the Lord blow my mind with what I got oh God oh God oh God oh God okay let me drive this home I gotta move let me drive this home see 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 when I first started pastoring I always discounted my own self because I said well Lord I ain't been to seminary I, I don't I don't have the qualifications of what some of these other preachers have. And he said, did I call them or did I call you? Because I could do more with your uneducated self than I could do with somebody that got a PhD but live in pride. The reason why I could do more with you, come over here, is because you humble. You know how to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that I may exalt you. That's why you go to work and you helping people that can't stand you. That's why you go to work and you helping everybody and they not even asking why because you got a humble spirit. And God is saying, because you got a humble spirit, I could do more with your humble spirit than I could do with a prideful spirit. Somebody lift your hands and say, Lord, work through me, work in me, work on me for your glory. Watch this. Watch this. He was great, number one, because of favor. He was great, number two, because of grace. Now, here's, here's the third thing. This is, why, this is the reason why he was 
he was uh, great. He was great. Come on, let's go. Because of his uniqueness. John <laughs> wasn't like the rest of the preachers. He had church in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Ain't no padded pews in the wilderness. Ain't no air conditioning in the wilderness. John, with his wild self, preached the same message every single Sunday. And the Bible says, watch this, because he was a Nazarite, couldn't try to tell. Uh, I just talked about another Nazarite. Anybody know who that was? Samson. Okay, thank you. Come to church on Sunday. Watch this. Um, because uh, he was a Nazarite, he was dedicated to God, couldn't cut his hair, but he had to also watch his diet. That's why he ate locusts and honey. He was strange. He was one of those peculiar people. He was one of those people that got hell going on in their life but still show up to Sunday service. Ooh, I'm coming after you now. He one of those people that still trust God even when they don't know how they're going to rub two nickels together. God help me. It, he was one of those peculiar people that still put a smile on their face even though they was working in a hellacious working environment. God help me. He was one of those people that got up and still prayed even though it looked like nothing was happening. I'm talking to you. Is there anybody in here that can look at your life and say, I must be one of those peculiar people. I must be one of those strange people. I must be one of those unique people because when people told me to give up, I kept on holding on. When people told me to walk away, I stayed right there. When the devil Charlie thought he was going to bend me and break me, I stood the test of time. And is there anybody in here that say, I thank God I'm unique. I thank God I ain't got to be like everybody else. I thank God I ain't got to fit in because God can do more with my uniqueness than me trying to be like everybody else. Sorry, I can't drink with you. Sorry, I can't sleep with you. Sorry, I can't go to the club with you because God got his hand on my life and I'm choosing to live my life uniquely. Fearfully and wonderfully made. I ain't got to be like everybody else. In fact, my uniqueness is what makes me great. My uniqueness is what makes me stand out. You know what I used to have a problem with? I used to have a problem with being different. Like you. Uh, I used to have a problem being different. Because they looked at me like I'm, it was just me. Okay. Uh, I, I used to have a problem being the strange one. I used to have a problem not fitting in. I mean, why everybody else in the family got to act a certain way and I've got to be the oddball out? Teresa, let me talk to you. So when I walk in, shh, shh, shh. Because <laughs> they don't, because when God's hand is on your life, watch this, the atmosphere you create makes the devil uncomfortable. Maybe this is why certain people on your job can't stand you. Because the anointing on your life starts leaking out on them. <laughs> but it's because of my uniqueness. It's because I ain't trying to fit in like everybody else. <laughs> I, 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 I thank God that I'm great because I'm unique. I'm different. I got to move on. I got to move on. So John is great because number one, what? Number two? And here's number three. What is number three? Uniqueness. But I want to tell you the benefits, come on, let's go, of being second best. The benefits of being second best. John 1, verse number 23. John replied, watch this. They came out to John. They said, John, what you doing? John replied, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. John, what, what, what is your assignment? What's your purpose? I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. There's one coming after me that's greater than me. And I need y'all to get ready for him. Ain't that a mess? Watch this. He had a crowd, but he was still pointing them to Jesus. So popularity did not sway him to change his message. Oh, I felt that right there. Because some of us are changing our message because we want certain people to be around us. So you come to church. Bless God. Praise the Lord. God bless you. But you with your friends. 
come on. You cussing demons. You in here. Come on. We, we live, watch this, duplicit lives. We got one side of us that's holy on Sunday and maybe Wednesday nights. But we got another side of us that some of us ain't never seen before. Because we see the good little Christian you on Sunday. We see the hallelujah you. You know what I can't understand? I'm going to just go here and come out. I can't understand why now in this day and time we got a Facebook Insta story us but a Snapchat us that is not the same as the Insta. Because when did that become the ratchet? <laughs> I put my ratchet stuff on Snapchat. <laughs> but the church people, I put it on Insta story and Facebook. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. No wonder you're crazy. Because now you have created two sides of you that are in, comp in competition with each other at all times. I'm the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. So what is the benefits of being second best? Here we go. It gives you preparation for purpose. I'm preparing for purpose. John's job was to get the people ready for Jesus. He called them to repent. In other words, get your life, take stock of your life. Realize that you're a sinner and turn to God. Because repentance is a message of change. It is a response to God's light shining on our deepest sins and then humbly acknowledging that we need his forgiveness. John led the people to a water baptism. But he said there's one coming that's going to baptize you in the spirit. I baptize you in the water. For the repentance of sins. But there's another one coming that's going to baptize you by the spirit. That gives you everlasting life. And the text says he preached all this. Watch this. In the wilderness. Can I ask you a question? Like God had asked me this question yesterday as I was driving home. Watch this. Maybe the wilderness was nothing but your preparation. And some of us are trying to avoid the wilderness because you don't want to be prepared. Because the wilderness is hot. The wilderness ain't fun. Some of you are in the wilderness right now. God is saying, I'm just using it to prepare you for what I'm getting ready to do through you next. I got to prepare you on the job you don't like so I can take you to the job that's going to bless your life. God help me. I got to prepare you, come on, in that bad marriage so I can take you to the marriage you're supposed to be in. And is there anybody in here that say, I thank God for my preparation. I thank God that God prepared, he prepared me, he had to put me in the wilderness. And here's what I've discovered. If you be faithful in the wilderness, he can take you to the palace. Is there anybody in here that say, I'm going to be worshiping him in the wilderness. I'm going to praise him in the wilderness because it's the wilderness that's preparing me for what God got next. Is there anybody in here that can take a minute and give God praise right in your wilderness? Open your mouth and bless him. I'm in the wilderness, but I'm still going to praise him. I'm in the wilderness, but I'm still going to bless him. I'm in the wilderness, but he's still worthy. I need to know, is there anybody in here that can lift your hands, open up your mouth, and give God glory in the wilderness? It's preparation. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. And here's what I discovered. You ready for this? Here we go. He can't elevate you until you graduate from the wilderness. He's not going to take you to the next level until you graduate in the wilderness. God says, I want to see, can you worship me when your heart is broken? I want to see, 
if you got confusion and hell going on all around you, can you still come in church and lift up holy hands and say, God, I bless you, even in spite of what I'm going through. God, I help. I know this 9 o'clock service, but I need to break it up real quick. Is there anybody in here that could just take a pause for the cause and give God glory right there in your wilderness? I need somebody in here to lift up your hands, open up your mouth, forget about your neighbor, and tell God, I thank you that even though I'm in this wilderness, you're still good. I thank you that even though I'm in this wilderness, you're still wonderful. I thank you that even though I'm in this wilderness, I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to bless you. I need the wilderness people in here to open up your mouth and give them a little bit of worship in your wilderness. It's preparation. Watch this. Okay. That was a preparation. So, I was second in command at my church and didn't realize. Watch this. I didn't realize that when sister so-and-so, so sister so-and-so, <laughs> went to my pastor and said, I am sick of him telling us to lift our hands. He don't tell me what to do with my body. See, the wilderness prepares you that when the whole church shouts, you got sister so-and-so sitting there. Because if you can't handle the wilderness, this kind of teaching right there. If you can't handle the stuff that don't feel good, you can't handle the season where the prayer don't come through. If you can't handle the season where your loved one is in hospice, Come on, I'm trying to teach you how not to break over this wilderness. Because God is saying, if you be faithful in the wilderness, uh, you are doing nothing but preparing the way for the king to come in. God help me. And is there anybody in here that say, my worship just prepared for the king of kings and the Lord of lords to come in. I need you to take a minute and prepare the way for the king of kings and the Lord of lords to come in. Do that through your worship. Do that through your praise. Do that through your adoration. All right. Prepares you for your purpose moving. Watch this. Mark 1 verse number 7 and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. Here's my message. This one coming after me. Number one. He's more powerful than I. I thought about that. How secure of a person to realize when, so when someone's greater than you? Watch this. Important is it when you're trying to live flossom that, that you realize that greatness is in your midst? I never forget one time I was in a room and Bishop Jakes was there and there was some other big preachers there and I had got a VIP pass. Somebody had gave it to me. I wasn't even supposed to be back there. <laughs> and the bishop comes in and I realize greatness is in front of me. And you know what I do? Shut up. I don't say one word. Because when greatness is in front of you, that's the moment you need to learn how not to talk. It's not the time to give your business card. It's the time to sit there and just observe and look. What are you looking for? I'm trying to see what greatness looks like in action. Because if I'm going to emulate anybody, I need to emulate greatness. If I realize that that's number one and I'm number two, let me give way to number one so I can learn something. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if you shut up sometimes, you'll learn something. God help me. That was somebody's word right there. If you just learn how to keep your mouth closed, you'll learn something sometime. Uh, I didn't know they was mad. Well, if you shut up sometimes, you'll realize that they was mad. I didn't know they felt that way. Well, if you just keep quiet sometimes, you'll learn that's how they really felt. Because it's in silence that God is trying to teach you something. He says, after me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals? I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. Watch this. Here's the second point. You got to be positioned for purpose. You got to get in your position. I, I, watch this. I got a following. I got people following me. John says, I got people following me. But I got to get in my position. I got to understand my mission. 
And I got to understand that my mission don't stop your mission. That they're not competing with each other. That I don't have to always fight against you to get my point across. Because watch this. Because we all got a mission. You're not my competition. I'm my competition. I don't have to feel in, inferior to you. I have to remember the vision and the mission that God gave me for my life. So I stay in my position. Husbands, stay in your position. Your wife shouldn't have to run to somebody else. So that she, so she can lay out all her problems too. Telling her good girlfriend, but ain't told you. Stay in your position. Wives, stay in your position. Ooh, I could go there, but this ain't 1130. The children in here. <laughs> stay in your position. Watch this. Freedom members, stay in your position. Maybe this church would be what it's supposed to be when you learn how to stay in your position. They say, I might not understand everything that's going on, but I'm going to stay right here because this is where God has planted me. And I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that my mission is fulfilled right here where God planted me. Touch somebody say, stay on your mission. Stay on your mission. You got to be positioned for your purpose. You got to know where God has placed you and you got to stay there. Watch this. Because when your conscience is formed by your fallen state, listen to this. The only way we see value is by position. And so watch this. The only way that you feel valuable is we got to give you a position or a title. And you will determine your value based upon, watch this, who's underneath you. You ever seen a manager who was just, oh, they just missed the company? Just domineering over everybody because they the manager? Anybody who wants to leave something in the church just to be over something is not spiritually mature enough to do anything yet. People who lead by position rather than a purpose will destroy the church to keep their position rather than to invest in the purpose of the church. person who leads because they want the position over something is not spiritually mature. You got to understand your position. Your position might be on that job, but your purpose is to glorify God while you're on that job. God help me. Your position uh, might, be, might, be, might be a member, but your, 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 your purpose is for you to glorify God even while you being a member. You know what that means? That means you can't be up in here and talking about everybody like a dog. You got to remember your purpose. Your purpose got to glorify God and all that you do. I need to know, is there anybody in here that say, I know what my purpose is. My chief end purpose is to give God glory and give God praise and and give him adoration and give him everything that he's deserving of. I need the saints of God in here to get to your purpose and remember your position. Number three, and I'm done. Luke 3, verse 21 through 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I'm well pleased, who I love. With you, I am well pleased. Watch this. Here's what I need you to understand about being second best. When second get with first, heaven opens. You missed it. Go back to that first voice. Here we go. Watch this. Uh, um, is, is go back to verse 21. Thank you. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And when he was praying, heaven was opened. Watch this. Keep going. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So when two got with one, heaven opened. I need you to grab the hand of your neighbor and tell your neighbor we're getting ready for to open up heaven, God. God is getting ready to open up heaven. I ain't got no jealousy against you. I ain't got no envy against you. We, when we get together, heaven is going to open up. I need to know, is there anybody in here that's ready for heaven to open up? Oh, God saying, I'm getting ready to speak, but I don't need no haters. I don't need anybody intimidated. I don't need anybody being scared of somebody else's blessing. I need for us to get on one accord. So heaven can open up. God, I feel this. God, I feel this. God, I feel this. God, I feel this. God is getting ready to position you. Hear this. Hear this. Business owners in here, I need you to hear this. 
God is getting ready to position you that you meet the one so that when you hook up with them, heaven going to open up. I need some business owners in here to say I receive that. Uh, God said, when you meet the one, uh, you might be the two, but you're going to get together. And when y'all synchronize together, heaven is getting ready to open up. Blessings getting ready to come your way. Opportunities getting ready to happen. Doors are getting ready to open for you. I felt that. I said, doors are getting ready to open for you. I said, doors are getting ready to open for you. In fact, there were doors that were closed in your face. God said, when I hook you up, doors are getting ready to open that no man can shut. He says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and the voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Here's what flipped me out. John is right there while this is going on. And God says, absolutely nothing to John. Wait a minute. You needed me to open up heaven for the father to speak. Watch this. The dove to ascend. Um, you needed me. You done forgot about me? That's what some of y'all are saying. You done forgot about me? You needed me. If I didn't do what I did, y'all would have never got this project done. And now you get the credit? Never been there before? Where you do all this work and somebody else gets the credit? Huh? This thing messed me up, Teresa. When I saw this, I was like, wait a minute. You needed number two for heaven to open up. All I was doing was being obedient. And you don't say nothing to me? Not one word? You just talking to Jesus? He needed me. Watch this. Because the reality is, how do you act when somebody else gets the credit? I don't have it on the screen, but there's another scripture that says, that even after this moment, Jesus is walking, and John is walking with his disciples. And the Bible says that through one encounter, John lets two of his disciples go to Jesus. In other words, your gifts don't intimidate me. I'm not intimidated by you. In fact, I celebrate you for what God is doing in your life. How do you act when other people get blessed? Why are you always in somebody's pockets when they get a car? Well, can they afford that? Ain't none of your business. If you didn't know anything, you should know by now, grace and favor. Why are you hating on somebody else because of what they got? John says, I ain't got time to hate on nobody. I know my position. I know my role. You ready for this? Because the same glory that fell on Jesus is the same glory that fell on me. God might not have talked to me, but I still benefited. God help me. God might not have said a word to me, but because I did what I was supposed to do, I still benefited from it because the same glory that was on Jesus had to get on me as well. And is there anybody in here that say, I ain't got time to hate on nobody, but the same glory that's on your life is the same glory that's going to be on me as well. I'm done. Is there anybody in here that can give God glory and give God praise? Not for your blessing, not for your breakthrough, not for your miracle. But I need you to give God glory and give God praise for your neighbor's blessing, for your neighbor's breakthrough. You're still looking like a hater. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this praise is for you. This praise is for your miracle. This praise is for your breakthrough. This praise is for your blessing. I ain't no hater. I can bless God for what it does for you. Open up your mouth and bless God for what he's doing for your neighbor. Open up your mouth and bless him. Praise him like it's your breakthrough. Praise him like it's your miracle. 
Praise him like it's your healing. Praise him like it's your deliverance. Praise him. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, this next shout is for God because he's getting ready to open up heaven for you and for me. Go for what you know. Open up your mouth. Come on. Open up your mouth. I dare you to grab the hand of your neighbor and shout together and praise God together and lift him up together. Come on, is there anybody in here that can give God glory for your neighbor's breakthrough and for your neighbor's miracle and for your neighbor's way out? Come on, I need somebody in here to say this praise is for you. Bring that down. Watch this. I need us to understand something. Our life would be so different if we stopped hating on one another and started celebrating one another. Our life would be turned upside down if God could trust us to praise God for what he does for somebody else. So I need you to tell your neighbor for the last time, say neighbor, the higher God take you, the more I'm gonna praise God. Give God the glory right there. Open up your mouth and give him praise. Bless your name, God. Hallelujah. I'm done. I'm done. I got to get you out of here. Woo. God, I thank you for that. 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 Because the devil will have you intimidated by people around you. Have you thinking that God forsake you? Because it looked like it ain't coming together for you. You got to learn how to celebrate somebody else. And even if you get it first, God is still going to do it for me as well. So I ain't got to hate. I can just celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, we thank you for your word. Everybody's standing. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have spoken in this house.